0: And so uh, let's come to God in prayer again, uh, remembering some of the things that uh, we uh, mentioned in uh, the announcements, um, and also uh, remembering uh, some of the things we've been confessing to God uh, this evening. So let's turn to Him again in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, As we are travelling through uh, this uh, time, uh, through uh, this earth, as we make our pilgrimage through the short years that you give us, we confess how weary sometimes uh, we can get with the circumstances and so as we were singing, uh, we come to you for grace. We remember how dependent upon you, how dependent sometimes even upon the visible uh, things of your hand at work in this world, uh, we sometimes are. We confess that we are uh, those who uh, need uh, to know your call in this world We depend on you for our daily bread. We confess that sometimes we would need uh, or want uh, far more than just our daily bread. And yet we make ourselves content with what you provide, with what you reveal to us, with what you open our eyes to in this world, in your good providence, We come to you uh, confessing that uh, we do not need uh, palatial surroundings uh, of great and abundant things. We crave uh, just to know uh, your wings uh, covering us, uh, over us, around us. And yet, Lord, we thank you that you provide uh, far uh, more greatly than any of us uh, could ever deem to ask. Lord, we confess that uh, much as we sometimes pray and ask for perfect circumstances in our lives, that we can instead turn to you even when we don't uh, have those perfect circumstances and that we can make you our portion, our inheritance, that we can take great satisfaction in you this evening. And so in light of the far from perfect circumstances across the world that we look at on our TV screens. We pray for our own nation in time of transition. Whatever our views are on such, we ask you to lead our government in unity and in wisdom. And we pray also for uh, the government in the south of our island uh, that you would uh, grant in the coming election. Uh, that you would appoint wise rulers, rulers who would be guided by your law and by your ways. So Lord, we also pray for each one of us um, in a more uh, personal way. When we find ourselves in hard situations, in times of loss or in circumstances that we would never have dreamed of, we pray that you would find ourselves uh, looking to you, that we may be those who serve you, that we may be those who serve each other and find strength to do so, even in the hard circumstances of life, even when our eyes are weary with tears even when uh, the things that we have longed for, the things that we have yearned for in this world do not come to pass. Lord Jesus, would you teach us in these times, would you remind us of your good providence? and so Lord we pray for the the mother and toddler we thank you uh, for uh, the number of years that you have sustained that witness uh, that real vibrant uh, community uh, that meets uh, each week in uh, this uh, place Lord, we thank you uh, for your goodness in how you have worked, and as uh, not only your love is seen uh, between us as your disciples, um, as we serve the community in this way, um, but as uh, also your words uh, go out to the community in this simple act of serving uh, in this way, uh, Lord, we pray that seeds that have been sown over many years uh, would be... Uh, would be harvested, uh, that your goodness would uh, be known far beyond uh, these walls, uh, that your love and your word in the person of uh, the Lord Jesus uh, would be very evident, uh, that those um, uh, who have passed through and no longer come, um, and those who continue to meet here uh, week by week um, would uh, turn their eyes to you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would remind those that um, for those whose life is comfortable, uh, that you would shake them from their comfort and remind them of yourself. And for those who've, whose life is hard at these times, that you would lift their eyes and use this community of the mother and toddler uh, to uh, to give them much comfort in the days ahead. And so, Lord, we pray the same for those who have passed through our uh, junior, our inter, and our senior camp. We thank you for the the many decades um, that you have used these camps to faithfully minister your words at particular times of year in the summer and at reunions. And we pray for the many who have come into those camps, uh, both those who are covenant children, those raised in homes that knew you and loved you, and also those who um, uh, come from places where your word was not declared to them in their families and uh, yet, Lord, we pray for all uh, that uh, that what they have experienced and um, would become real to them, that you, the everlasting God, uh, would be uh, very uh, real and that uh, continues to be at work in uh, their lives. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that as they meet again uh, in these reunions, uh, that you would bless them in this time back together again. Uh, for your namesake and for your glory, Amen. And we're going to turn to God's words this evening, and we're going to to read of a portion that that might be familiar uh, to us uh, this evening in uh, Genesis chapter uh, thirty-two. Uh, Genesis uh, 32. And uh, we're going to read uh, the whole chapter this evening um, to, to help us, um, because it's we're coming in uh, to a, a book of the Bible uh, that might not be uh, just familiar uh, as familiar to us as some of the series that we go through. Um, and although we'll focus in the last uh, 10 verses or so, from verses 22 to 32 this evening, uh, we're going to read uh, the full chapter um, of uh, God's words uh, together. Uh, So uh, Genesis uh, chapter uh, 32 and reading uh, the full chapter together. Let's hear the words of God. Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants and female servants. I have sent to tell my lords in order that I may find favour in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We come to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him, and the flocks, and the herds, and camels into two camps, thinking, If Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, uh, then the camp uh, that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servants, for with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he might come and attack me and the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as sand as the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present from his, uh, for his brother Esau, 200 female goats, And 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels uh, and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first. When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, To whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present to my lord Esau, and moreover he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves, You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterwards I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh uh, that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. May God bless his words uh, to us. And uh, if you could uh, keep uh, God's words uh, open in front of you, um, I'll be referring back uh, to that passage. And as I say, uh, particularly to those verses uh, 22 uh, to 32 uh, that we just finished uh, reading. But um, I, I wonder um, whether you're someone who made, uh, back when the year turned, a New Year's uh, resolution. Um, uh, you might love them, uh, you might uh, hate them, um, and I wonder if you made any, how you got on in the month of uh, January. Uh, My housemate, who I live with uh, in uh, Newton Abbey, uh, was back at the gym uh, this January uh, as his New Year's uh, resolution. Uh, Some uh, in our church circles will be quick to say, oh, uh, Peter, you'll never be able to keep uh, something like that. It just encourages you, Peter, doesn't it, to uh, keep things in your own strength, Uh, But neither of those statements uh, need necessarily uh, to be true, do they? Uh, But regardless whether you made any or not, uh, there are some things that in the rest of this year, uh, regardless of whether you see people who have kept their New Year's resolution or those who haven't, uh, there are some things that in the rest of this year uh, you'll uh, ought uh, to have expectation of and uh, to look to to shape uh, the rest of this year as it already fast passes us by. And here in Genesis 32 are two things that I want us to consider tonight uh, which should shape uh, those expectations of what the rest of 2020 uh, will be like. Uh, These two things are this. Uh, Number one, uh, the independent one is made dependent The independent one is made dependent. And number two, uh, the blessing thief is blessed. So uh, firstly this evening, uh, we see an independent one who is made dependent. Uh, You see, we we enter what has been a a long story and one that I'm sure you're familiar with in the storyline of the Bible, uh, the story of uh, Jacob, and in Jacob's life, uh, we come to it here at, at quite a late stage in some ways, having already seen what type of man Jacob is. If you get the chance later this evening to to read any of Jacob's story, in Genesis 25, uh, we see Jacob is a belligerent man. He makes his exhausted brother Esau uh, swear to him to give him the the, the birthright that is due in their culture uh, to the eldest son. Uh, Jacob wants the best for himself, and he certainly knows how to scheme to get it. Uh, Later on in Genesis, after completing his plan uh, to get this birthright, uh, in uh, in chapter 27, we see Jacob needing to leave home to go solo, to avoid his brother's revenge that might come to him. And so Jacob sent, uh, sets off uh, on a, a pilgrimage of his uh, his own, uh, about one thousand kilometers in a journey to Haran. There, he works for fourteen solid years. Chapter twenty nine. He comes up with plans uh, of his own uh, to gain wealth. And soon his coming plans uh, pay off. Uh, He's soon exceedingly prosperous uh, with flocks, uh, with servants, and with much, much more. Chapter 30. So much so that his family who he's working for were not happy one bit. Chapter 31 in the start of it. And now... 20 years after having first done that runner from Esau, he travels 1,000 kilometers or thereabouts back again to face his brother, whatever that might look like. And so in verses 7 and 8 that we read tonight, if you still have that passage open in front of you, he is planning carefully, not wanting to lose this vast fortune, uh, arranging his possessions in careful droves so that if Esau attacks one grouping, uh, the other will still survive. In verse 17 and 18, he plans carefully again, uh, sending some ahead of him as gifts to Esau to appease his brother. In verses 22 and 23, he plans carefully again, even sending on some of his own family ahead of him. Here, Jacob feeling vulnerable the independent one of the past a one who has managed to scheme, to plan to work, to travel all for his own purpose, controlling decades of his life so far or so he thinks here Jacob enters the darkness of night, already realizing in his prayer to God his inability to control what is ahead. Verse 11 and verse 12, he already knows that it is only God and his promises which he can cast himself upon and in this vulnerability, at the end of his tether, the remarkable happens in our passage this evening. Verse 24 there. He is alone. He is in the dark. And what is he doing? He is wrestling a man. One uh, one hour of the night passes, they wrestle on. Two hours perhaps pass, Uh, they wrestle further, exhaustion. Uh, Three hours perhaps, you can imagine more as the night unfolds. I don't know whether you've ever had to stay up all night uh, or give yourself to some physical exertion uh, for many hours at end. Uh, but it's it's painful the fighting instincts uh, yet kicks in and on you go uh, pushing onwards and onwards uh, particularly for jacob when the stakes are so high here the independent stubborn jacob fights on not wanting to to give in The great traveller and leader himself would not be unhinged now, no, no. The great schemer of old would not prove defeated by these circumstances. The successful businessman is in control, wrestling on, or so he would like to think until something remarkable happens uh, in our story this evening. The man he wrestles with uh, simply touches his hip, and the socket is wrenched out in verse 25. We see that. And uh, so much uh, that Jacob is left limping in verse 31 uh, thereafter. Here in our passage this evening, the independent one is made dependent. No doubt the other man could have easily overcome him now, injured and limping as Jacob is, but he doesn't. There is great purpose in this action of touching his hip, of making him weak, yet the purpose is not to cruelly defeat him. Here the man claims that Jacob has wrestled with God and man and has overcome. In verse 28 we see that. Yet Jacob is left limping and weaker than ever before, dependent on the very one whom he has been wrestling. But lest a, a bizarre encounter like this, of a Middle Eastern man wrestling in, in the desert at night time, thousands of years ago, uh, seem to be far removed from us here in Crumlin in 2020, can I suggest that this evening we notice some parallels? You see, uh, humanity has long been seeking to make a name for itself, even since that first human, Adam, uh, tried to be like God in knowing good and evil, uh, sought to take control for himself, Eating of what he might have hoped would have no consequence in the Garden of Eden, yet soon finding out what was to follow. Uh, ever since that first human independently, haven't uh, humans always uh, seek to be uh, seeking to furrow our own paths in this world? seeking to set the course of our own lives, Uh, perhaps by our own reason, perhaps by our sharp thinking uh, that we think will get us uh, good places in this world. Uh, Perhaps it is uh, by our own hard working that we try and do this by ourselves, uh, whether physically, uh, with our hands, relationally, with how we build up uh, our relationships with our family, with our friends, with those who go around us, or morally, as we seek to uh, believe the right things or do the right things. Perhaps we look back to past history and say, well, God, um, maybe some of our friends around us, some of our work colleagues, some of our neighbours, some of the people in this town would say, uh, God was once needed, but now we have our good knowledge. Now we know better. God was once needed. But now we're capable, at our stage of history, of surviving, of knowing what's best. God was once needed to tell us uh, right and wrong, good and bads. But now, we are far more intelligent than to need that. Now, us, humanity, we exist and we are sufficient. I guess many of our friends and family and those around us perhaps wouldn't be as as blunt to put it in in those terms would they uh, outright saying those things. But... Still in our time and in our seasons of life and of the world that we've arrived at in Europe today, in our lands today, in our personal lives today, we find those who would, uh, perhaps even flying the religious moral flag uh, in their own lives, uh, going to church even week by week, living upright lives in society around us, Outwardly, perhaps, even giving credit to a divine being, yet inwardly depending upon themselves, ourselves, thinking that we can build our own future using our potential relational capital with others well. Sought as thinking that we can reasoning, uh, we can uh, by our own reason uh, do what is best. Never ever would they be seen dead confessing their sins to God and to each other in a community like this. Independence for many this evening would rule the roost. You see, we each, like Jacob this evening, must come to a point before God where we realize that independence cannot continue. Like Jacob, for decades we might be able to hide the broken relationships, deception or bitterness the unhealthy drive for wealth and much more under our careful planning reasoned arguments and religious motives but ultimately whether here in the days ahead in this world or whether it's posed before God's one day before the judge of all the earth ultimately we'll find ourselves in the dark alone and like Jacob, exposed. Because no human is capable of independence. We are made for for connection, made to be plugged back into our life source, reunited with the one who made us and knows us intimately and wants to care for us. And more than that, and not just uh, plugged back into that life source, um, but we're made for connection, aren't we, with each other? Hard as that might be in this world that is fraught with broken relationships, messy relationships, where the world's mantra would be get rid of the toxic person in your life rather than the restoration. Of relationship that God calls us to. That's a continual pattern and a posture that our hearts need to be exposed to this evening and uh, on into the future, isn't it? To remind us of this, whether for the first time in our life this evening or whether for the hundredth that God uses these moments of great weakness in our life to help us to look upwards to him, to help us to, to cast ourselves upon him in dependence. He gives us great moments of weakness, limps that persist long after a moment in time, a painful turns in our lives, but don't destroy us, certainly not, but sharpen the reality in front of us as our gaze is meant to turn back to him and to run back into his loving arms. It was about this week, uh, about five years ago, uh, when I started to try and process one of those limps that had come into my life. Uh, you see, I'd uh, been on a United Beach Missions a leadership a retreat uh, up in the Mourne Mountains. Um, and uh, just before our, our leadership training program started there for, for uh, beach missions, uh, I'd been out for a run uh, up into the hills. I don't know whether you've been up into the, the Mourne Mountains much. Um, but I love uh, feeling the freedom of getting up for a walk or a run uh, there in the hills. But as I came down from the hills that morning, I felt something wasn't right. Fast forward a few days later and returning to where I live in Cork, my body did not feel normal and within 48 hours, someone suggested, Peter, you really should go to your GP. And within minutes of being with my GP, he sealed an envelope, gave it to me, and said to me, Peter, go to A&E as soon as you possibly can. Don't look at this note. Just give it to them, and they'll tell you what to do. And within seconds of them reading that note, I was in a and I was in intensive care, sorry, I should have said, uh, not knowing why for the first while. From then on, diagnosed with late-onset diabetes, and each day since, reminded of it by being given injections to inject, inject myself, my pride of my own dependence was probably the thing that hurt that day more than my own body did. Being reminded of my humanity, of my own inability to look after myself by myself, uh, to stay up all night, to get up early in the morning, being reminded that uh, I could do all the running that I wanted to do in those mountains, but it wouldn't change anything of my dying body day by day. Being reminded that I am a dependent creature a creature on God, on others, on medicine. And so this week, five years ago, was when after six months of struggling with such things mentally, one of my friends got me back out into the hills again to run. Perhaps this incident was one of the most painful of my life and persistent things as I've been reminded of it ever since. Yet one of the most helpful and character-shaping ones to And as you look uh, to the rest of your life, uh, the rest of this year that lies ahead, could I encourage you, if you have never stopped the life of striving uh, to gain independence in some of or all of these ways, that you stop tonight and admit defeat. You see, your life like mine wouldn't be controlled by you your life like mine will not be able to be predicted by your reason or mine your life tonight won't be forever on an upward trajectory just getting better and better around the circumstances and uh, should you try and make it that way by yourself and your own strength it will be exhausting for you and for others around you should you try It would be the essence of what the Bible uh, determines as sin, uh, foolishly plowing our own courses in this world. Attempted independence from our maker and from others. With uh, with God's independent ones are made dependent Secondly, uh, what we'll see uh, with Jacob tonight, and a bit more briefly, uh, is that uh, uh, a blessing thief is blessed. A blessing thief is uh, blessed. I've already mentioned in chapters 25 and 27 uh, that Jacob uh, was a great one for contriving uh, to steal the birthright, uh, the blessing due to his other brother. Uh, Jacob, of course, uh, being called a name that figuratively means a deceiver. Uh, And it it might start to tell us more about his character, uh, chapter 25, he badgered his brother into saying that the blessing would be Jacob's and then abusing his mother's favoritism. In chapter 27, he then deceives his father by giving him uh, this blessing through a long thought-out scheme. Here, Jacob's independence stops at nothing to trample his brother to get this blessing. But now, 20 years later, Jacob, the blessing thief, is back pleading for a blessing in verse 26 of our passage this evening before the man goes. But here, Jacob seems to have some other realisation over who this is from whom he is seeking blessing. You see, for Jacob, in this instance in the chapter, there will be no trickery possible. There's no deception that is going to take place here. When he is blessed in verse 29... He is, it is obvious to him that the very man he is being wrestling with is no ordinary man. Jacob names the place a peniel, meaning a face of gods, because he says in verse thirty of our passage this evening, "I saw God's face to face." And yet my life was spared. Even the man who he wrestled with said similar. He said, you have wrestled with God and with men. Here the blessing that is sought and received is received from the very mouth of God's How can this be uh, God, though? Uh, For a brief uh, sidestep from our passage, uh, just let us briefly consider this. Uh, At numerous points through the Old Testament, uh, there are moments where uh, it appears that God appears in the form of created things. Many have called them uh, theophanies. Uh, Vern Poitras, a theologian, says this of Theophanies. Theophanies are a visible display to humans, beings that express the presence and character of God. Let me repeat that. Theophanies being a visible display to human beings that express the presence and character of God. And since Christ is the very image of God in human flesh, it would appear uh, to be a pre-incarnate Christ. If you get the chance this evening, you can look up other examples of uh, such things, uh, of such theophanies in the Bible. At the top of my the Sinai in Exodus 18 In the burning bush of Exodus 3, in appearances to Abraham in Genesis 15, 17, 18, in the cloud of fire in the wilderness that goes ahead of God's people, and in John's vision of uh, the throne of God in Revelation 4 and 5. It raises questions, though, if these things are indeed uh, appearances, uh, theophanies, Christophanies. How could Jacob not be consumed by gods, the everlasting gods, if this is truly him being revealed in this way? Well, the, the fact that it was still dark and before daybreak uh, may point to the fact that his face was was uh, uh, veiled, was was not fully seen, sparing Jacob in this instance, and leaving him not fully knowing his name. And although I'll I'll not be able to fully delve into to making a case for this in our passage uh, this evening, uh, and you can go away and think about it uh, some more. Um, Our passage goes on uh, with uh, this assumption. Jacob, who was once scheming selfishly for his own blessing, is now left pleading for the blessing of God. But uh, as we continue in our passage, what does that look like? Uh, What is the blessing of God that was being sought I don't know whether uh, you have uh, a phone yourself um, and whether you're on social media, Um, but uh, if you are, if you're on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, if you uh, scroll through uh, your newsfeed at any point, uh, you'll have come across uh, one of 119 million posts this month with the hashtag, the label attached to it. Hashtag blessed, with the words uh, describe uh, the picture or the the status after it. Many people use this hashtag. Uh, They'll say, I got top of the year of my school. I am hashtag blessed. I won my sports match yesterday. Hashtag blessed. I love my life. Hashtag, I'm blessed. I've graduated from college or from school. I am hashtag blessed. You see, blessed online certainly is a word used to describe largely things that we've done or that we have achieved for ourselves. But to, sound it a bit, to make it sound a bit more humble, uh, people stick on this hashtag, blessed. Yet, if we were to look up the New Testament, if we were to search that word, blessed, in the New Testament, we'd come across 112 options, none of which contain material blessings. And in fact, many of which include persecution trial, or mostly verses talking about being joined together to Jesus. To be blessed is to be fully satisfied regardless of the circumstance. Jacob, in seeking God's blessing here, has either U-turned from his past way of life or is unaware that God's blessing is not some lucky charm that can be called down from the heavens. And so similarly, this evening, we today, as we come to God in dependence on him, must realize that the blessing we once selfishly schemed for ourselves is actually more truly found all in God, in Christ Applied by the Spirit. Blessing and contentment are primarily in the scriptures found in the presence of God. You see, like Jacob this evening, we we can't remain blessing robbers sometimes uh, and often throughout Christian history uh, it's been used the the illustration of a fountain uh, if you uh, picture a fountain in in your head uh the the water goes up and the torrent uh, of water uh, comes down in the fountain. Uh, should we be trying to be blessing robbers uh, we would uh, with our uh, little buckets uh, go round underneath the fountain trying to create uh, trying to uh, capture water droplets uh, so that we can get our own little uh, droplets of water all ourselves but if you Picture ourselves underneath the thundering waterfall of the Niagara Falls or even something smaller up the Antrim Coast from us. Such imagery would be hilarious. It would be like trying to grab lone blessings for ourselves when thundering in the Godhead of what we're called into in Jesus, everything is ours. In Christ, we're not simply spared, but we are blessed generously with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Being united to him, being tied to him, the one who overcomes. Perhaps that's why Jacob says that uh, he is one who is overcome to you see, it frees us from our lives of playing games with God, of uh, trying to playing ransom games, telling God, "If I behave in such a way, would You bless me?" No, no. God has far better than just stuff to give us, or ransom uh, uh, fulfillments to carry out. He is a generous Father. He seeks the interests, yes, of His glory but also of his children. And so it helps us as we turn to God in dependence upon him this evening, as we turn to pray to him, as we turn as his children to cast ourselves open-handed, giving nothing that we can offer from ourselves. It helps us. To instead pray that we would know him who is indescribable joy. In whose arms and will it would be safest to cast ourselves and give ourselves fully to him. no, No matter what circumstances may lie before us. For outside of him we have nothing And so for the rest of this year, it would help uh, us to grow in our awareness and experience of who we are, uh, to cast ourselves to remember uh, that in Christ we are united to him, never to be removed. It is only when we remember that this evening that like Jacob we'll remember what it was to be once a selfish blessing thief, now in Christ, truly blessed. So shaping the rest of hopefully our lives and certainly our year, can I encourage us to be uh, independent ones made dependent? Can I encourage us to be uh, once blessing thieves, now blessed in Christ. And as we close, if you're unsure that really the thriving in life really will mean handing the keys of your independence to God in Christ not just hunting and praying for a nice comfortable circumstances uh, for our lives uh, to happen. Then can I encourage us to read back through uh, the story of the Bible and to see how this comes about. Uh, we see in, in Genesis the world is set up with weak humanity at the climax of creation. Not only a weak humanity, uh, but family units uh, knit together. Uh, certainly not the fastest or the quickest, the most effective way that God could have set up creation to get stuff done. Weak ways that God has set the world the fabric of the universe. And as we look on to the cross, the climax of God's uh, big redemptive story, we see him using weak and quite pathetic means, humanly speaking, to achieve the glory of the everlasting God's death, death on a cross. And as we see the early church spreading out right across the globe, across the nations, we hear from the lips of uh, faltering human beings, a weak uh, people, depending on God and on each other in teams to further his kingdom purposes in this world. It's always been God's way of working in this world, hasn't it? Independent ones being made dependents blessing thieves, being blessed in Christ. And so, as we come together to sing uh, words uh, tonight, uh, can I encourage us to echo these words uh, of our dependence of God uh, upon God, of our confession of our need of him, uh, to, in fact, do more than just confess, but to revel in such patterns of living, for there's nothing outside of that, nothing else that we can turn to this year or in our lives, nothing worth chasing after. And after you have suffered for a little while, may the God of all grace, who has called uh, you to his eternal glory in Christ, Strength, uh, himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish ye. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.